to you this morning. It's only going to get warmer. Um, it's really good to be together. I hope that you love being amongst us, that you build good friendship, being here together, and uh, that you meet with God. That's our, that's our hope and our desire, that whatever stage you are at in your relationship or searching of God, that you would meet with God today and um, enjoy meeting with him as well. If you have a contribution this morning, if you feel like God's stirring anything in your heart, whether it's to bring a reading, to come and lead us in prayer, uh, whether God brings a prophetic word through you or just anything, a tongue interpretation, we want to encourage that amongst us. So we want to hear God speaking to us and we want to build each other up. So please feel free to come forward. I'll have a mic down here. You can come and use that so everyone can hear. And finally, if you have children and you haven't yet registered them, make sure you head out of this door right here and there's a sign-up sheet just outside so you can register your children. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to come and have the opportunity now just to set our eyes, to fix our eyes on our Savior and our King. And uh, I just want to invite you where you are right now. Maybe just you want to close your eyes and maybe you've been distracted already just by the headlines of the weather or the headlines of what's going on with a new prime minister coming, or maybe there's something going on in your family or something going on in your workplace, let's just come and fix our eyes on King Jesus. Lord God, we are here for you. We're here to worship you. We're here to encounter you. We're here to ask questions and to, and to meet with you. We invite you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Come and have your way. Come and help us. Help us to worship. Help us to fix our eyes on you. Help us to not be distracted by the things going on around us, but help us to enjoy you and to know your grace upon our lives. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. Amen. Christine's going to lead us in worship. You're standing already. I was going to ask you to stand, but...
We serve a great God. He loves us. And whatever is going on in our lives, we can praise him. Now, our next song just expresses something of that. Though the tears may fall, my song will rise. My song will rise to you. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Tears may fall, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 
the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness of doubt, in the shadows of sin, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Whatever it is that you're facing, just give it to the Lord now. Let him know what you're struggling over and ask him to come and bring you strength as you worship him. It's time to release the children now. So if you'd like to go, children, the young people. Father, we ask that you will bless all those who are leaving us now, that you will be with them that they may know your love, your grace, your peace, your mercy, your joy in whatever they do now. May they encounter you. Amen. Gonna sing worthy of every song we could ever sing. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one. 
Can we just put up the bridge from that song just quickly? Sorry, Sandy, to go backwards. I found this really challenging just singing this. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. I wonder whether we feel that this morning. I'm going to build my life upon your love, Lord. Every single part of my life, I'm going to build it on your love. It's a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. I wonder whether many of us are feeling shaken right now. I just felt challenged as I sung that. Sometimes we sing songs which inspire us and bring us to faith. And sometimes we sing songs of where we, just, we, we, we know we want to be there. Father, come and fill us. Come and fill us that we would build our life upon your love. The Father's love. The Father's love that chases and runs after us. Father, come and fill us, that we would trust in you alone, Lord God, and not be shaken by the world around us, by the circumstances around us. Let's just sing that again. Can we sing that again, Christine? I will build my life
Father, we do just want to do that. We want to say, receive the adoration of our lives. You are worthy of all of our praise, all of our lives given over to your glory. We worship you, Lord. We give our lives to you. Be glorified, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much. That was wonderful. Before I uh, come to speak this morning, I'd love us to pray for a, a local situation which happened in the last week. Some of you may be aware of this, uh, that on Tuesday there was a fairly major car accident between here and Four Marks. And um, uh, the, uh, one particular person, a, a chap called Jay or James, 
Uh, James Caprell was uh, very severely injured in the car accident, uh, take, flown down to Southampton's trauma unit, uh, multiple, multiple um, um, breaks and other damage, uh, question mark, even maybe there's a bit of brain impairment as a result of this, they're not quite sure. Uh, I'm probably talking about months of uh, being in hospital for months uh, to uh, recover, series of operations, they've got to work out which one happens first and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Jay is uh, engaged to Millie and they have an 11-month-old child. And um, Millie reached out to one of our mums in the church uh, this last week, uh, just talking about their situation, and we said, can we pray for you? And uh, she said, yes, please. And so I would love to ask you to stand at this point and pray for Jay's recovery. Please pray for Millie, too, and their little child. I'm sorry, I don't know the child's name. He's 11 months old. Um, you may know the family. You may know other folks affected by uh, that. Uh, just uh, pray whatever comes to your heart for them, that God will bless them, God will keep them, sustain them, whatever. And then I'll lead us in a, a joint prayer in a moment. Thank you, Father, you love uh, Jay and Millie and their little child, Father God. And uh, Lord, we ask in this place of uh, real trauma for Jay, but also for Millie and their, their son, Father God, would you come and meet with them? We pray for the peace of God to descend on this household and their wider family, Father God. Even though they, they may or may not have a, an understanding of what that is, that there would be a sense of peace and trust there, Father God. Uh, we thank you that you've sustained Jay's life and that he survived this accident. Uh, Lord, we now ask, Lord, for healing miracles to happen in this young man's life that uh, uh, despite the predictions and knowledgeable understanding of doctors and talking about months of re rehabilitation and healing and all the rest of it, Lord, we pray that uh, he would be restored far more quickly. Uh, we pray for bones to knit together well and quickly. We pray for uh, damaged uh, wounds to uh, be made well in Jesus' name. And we pray above all this, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to uh, Jay and Millie and their little son and their wider family in this time uh, through us, your church. Help us to love them and care for them and support them uh, throughout this period. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing and praying uh, for them. Just to say, we've, we've also uh, sent them a love gift from our caring fund just to help support them uh, during this time. Um, okay. Whew, what a morning. It's good, isn't it? Good to gather to God. It's lovely how he, as we look to gather to him, he loves to gather us to him and remind us of his goodness and his mercy and his love 
And uh, Nathan's encouragement about uh, that, that uh, the chorus of that song, build uh, our lives upon your love. It's a firm foundation. We'll put our trust in you. Fits so well um, with what I'm now going to be uh, speaking on. Um, we're uh, continuing our balance series. I know last time we said it was the last one. Um, but uh, last week, I felt God really was speaking to us, particularly through uh, reading Christine brought. I'll read that to you in a moment from uh, the book of Romans. Um, and uh, I felt God just stirring me that actually we needed to do one more part. Now, we'll try and not make this a habit and keep on adding another part to our balance series. Uh, but for this week, I want to talk about grace in hardship. How we find the grace of God in the midst of uh, suffering, of hardship, of trial. And uh, uh, where I want to start is just to remind you what Christine uh, brought to us from Romans 8. It's from the New Living Translation of the Bible. You don't need to turn to it. I'm actually not going to preach from this passage, but I feel it sets the scene for them where we're going to go. And, and so I'm reading random verses from verse 28 through to verse 38, but I'm not reading all the verses if you are trying to follow me. Uh, but can I suggest instead just listen to this because um, it's, a, it's an unusual trans or it's a new translation to me in terms of reading this passage and I feel it, it really emphasizes some uh, really important things. So it says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What shall we say then about such wonderful things as these. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not, uh, did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor uh, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And it's such a powerful reminder, that passage, about how God loves us. <laughs> and funny, you know, just singing that song, I'll build my life upon your love. It's a firm foundation. It's true. God's love is a firm foundation for our lives. And it means we can put our trust in him. We can be satisfied as we find his love. As another song we sang, we can be satisfied as we find and know his love. So you may think, well, okay, so what are, what are, you, where are, you, where are you going today? Well, it's, the, it's very simple. What I felt God was speaking to me about last Sunday and for this Sunday was this. There is sufficient grace in God. That, and, and gra the grace of God is in that working of his love for us. That's totally and completely linked. For every one of us, in every one of our circumstances, past, present, 
and future. Individually and corporately, in every one of our circumstances, there is sufficient grace in God. There is, a, there is love in God, sufficient grace in God for all of our circumstances. It's like, there's a, it's like God's opened a bank account and put a massive deposit in this bank account and said to all believers, you can draw from it. Now, of course, if that was money, it would be gone quite quickly. There's quite a lot of believers, and we may all you know, do with a little bit of money, a little bit of help, and that would be quite nice, wouldn't it? But this is an infinite amount of love and grace. It's got no restrictions to it whatsoever. And actually, there's sufficient there, therefore, for every believer on earth, not just a few, and for every situation. And he wants to encourage us to draw on his grace and mercy and to keep drawing down on that, knowing that it will never run out, it will never end. And of course, as we do that, <laughs> we'll also become amazing signposts to the world around us to know God. So, if you have your Bible with you, I'd like to encourage you now to turn to the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and to uh, chapter, uh, to, where am I going? Yeah, to chapter 12. And uh, we are going to read from verses 6 in a moment. Before we do that, just to explain um, uh, something here. So Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, there's been questions raised about whether Paul is an apostle or not, or what sort of apostle is he, and is he a good enough apostle? And others were claiming they were super apostles and all that sort of stuff. And so the context of what we're going to read, you really need to have read from the beginning of chapter 11. Um, we don't really have time to do the whole of that, so I'm going to give you a very, very quick summary. In chapter 11, Paul is addressing what's been going on in Corinth with these folks who claim to be super apostles and saying, and saying Paul isn't. And in so doing, he talks about himself and his sufferings for the gospel. And he draws things to a conclusion in chapter 12. That's where we're heading uh, with these words uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6, 6 to 10. It's on the screen. If you want to read it on the screen, you can read it in your Bible. It says this, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I'd be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited, because of these, surpassing, uh, of these surpassingly great revelations, there was a thorn, uh, sorry, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me this, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that 
your word reflects who you are to us and helps us get to know you more. And we want to do that today. We want to draw close to you today. We want to encounter you today. Thank you for that sense already of meeting with you. We ask now in your word, would you speak to us? Would you guide us? Would you direct us? Would you strengthen us? Would you comfort us? Would you help us find and receive your grace? That is your unconditional love. And would it transform us for your glory and honor, Lord? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Paul, uh, in this bit, is talking about how God allows this thorn in his flesh to stop him becoming conceited. That is to remind himself to trust God, to draw on God's grace for his circumstances. And I really particularly want to focus on these two verses which are on the screen, um, where it says, I'm just going to read it again, but he, that is, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then, having said that, Paul then brings a, a concluding comment. He says, therefore, he's summing up. He's drawing these thoughts together. <laughs> In view of all of what he's been saying, therefore, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I want to ask three questions today uh, of this passage and therefore of ourselves. The first question is this. How do you see things when, uh, when things go wrong? How do you see it? How do you, how do you, how do you see when things go wrong? Do you, do you blame God? Does it take you away from God? Does it push you towards God? What's your theology, for want of a better question, what's your theology over hardship and suffering? It seems to me there's a popular view out there amongst many Christians nowadays that this stuff isn't meant to happen to us. A, 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 a worldview, for want of a better phrase, which says that only good should happen to Christians. After all, we're, we're children of God. Why should bad happen to us? Why should things go wrong? Surely everything else is just of the devil. Friends, can I say, I think we give Satan far too much credit. And in so doing, are at risk of discrediting our loving Heavenly Father. Satan is not omnipresent. God is. Satan is not omniscient. God is. And God knows everything that's going on. And he is in control of the earth. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't allow suffering and hardship. He does. But he is God. He is supreme. Let's just dig a little bit more into this. You see, to me, it seems in the Bible that Christians clearly experience hardship, sickness. Paul did. We've just been reading about it. You can read much more about it in the preceding verses to the ones we read. Jesus did. 
doesn't mean we need to go and seek things. We don't need to go and seek things going wrong. But we are to have a healthy theology which allows, which even embraces hardship and suffering and draws us back to God, not to say we can't then trust God. I mean, here's some examples of hardship. In Acts 14, 22, I'm not going to turn to these, um, but it, it says in Acts 14, 22, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. In John 16, verse three, uh, 33, Jesus tells us, what? You'll have trouble. In Romans 5, verse 3, Paul tells, Paul tells us to rejoice in suffering, which produces perseverance, and then perseverance, which produces character, and character, which produces hope. And that hope won't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. Now, I could also encourage you to look at Romans 12, 12, 2, Corinthians, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy 3, 12, 1 Peter 1, 6, 8, and a whole load of other verses which very clearly present that things will go wrong and that we will experience hardship and we will experience suffering and we will experience persecution and it's okay. And it doesn't mean that God's not in control. This passage very clearly encourages us that we can find grace from God even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of suffering. We can find grace, that sufficient grace will be available from God. Now that's not to say don't be aware that we live in a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle. There are demonic forces at work in the world. We've just got to get the right perspective. And sometimes that's quite difficult to see. And that's where we need discernment. And that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. We need discernment to see what's going on, to understand what's going on and how we should respond. So friends, please don't be surprised when you experience hardship or suffering or persecution. Those things will happen. Let's not, it shake, let, let's not let it shake our trust in God. Let's understand that stuff happens. Let's understand that sometimes Satan may be behind that stuff, and that's okay too. And then what? Well, then let's work out how we're going to respond to these situations. This passage tells us this. Sufficient grace is available to us. Sufficient grace. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That's what we read. My grace is sufficient. The question I think we need to ask ourselves is, will we go and look for it? Will we go and seek God for it? Will we go and find it? Will we go and receive it? I want to remind you part of the history of God's people, which we read about in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus chapter 16, is this. The Israelite people who've been uh, enslaved under Pharaoh in Egypt have left him. God's delivered them, and, uh, but they've, they've blown it. They've, they've got some things wrong. That's good news because we tend to blow it sometimes and get things wrong. And God takes them out into a desert. And there for 40 years they wander. And during that time, though, God provides for them. He provides every day manna from heaven, bread from heaven, and quail. 
That is God's grace at work. That is God's unconditional love at work. That is there to remind us that God will provide for our needs, even when we've been naughty. And man, they were naughty. Even when we blew it, blow it, God's love is still available to his people. God's love is still available, and he will help us, therefore, in places of trial, in places of hardship, in places of suffering, in places of difficulty. Sufficient grace. What, is, what does it mean, sufficient? My grace is sufficient. Well, I would suggest it means it won't run out. That there will be enough. You know, for the, uh, for the people of God, the Israelites in, in Exodus, they were told, don't try and hoard the bread, fearing there won't be enough for the following day. Just, just keep enough. And some ignored God and hoarded it. And it rotted and stank. And there's a lovely, if you, you know, passages in the Bible children love, the description of what happens to the bread and the sort of the, the, how it decays and there. Um, <laughs> they didn't need to hoard it. There was grace for that day. Friends, there is grace for today. For whatever you're facing today, for whatever trial, hardship, persecution, whatever the issue is, whatever you're going through, Whatever the challenge is today, whether it's a health challenge or living with chronic health uh, issues, whether it's an emotional thing where you're, 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 you're grieving, you're, 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 you're struggling with something that's happened, a sense of loss, there's grace available today. And there'll be sufficient grace for today. And you don't need to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, there'll be sufficient grace for tomorrow. You don't need to hoard it. You don't need to try and hang on to it and not share it with others. No, no, no. Enjoy the grace which is available today. And as you enjoy the grace which is available today, you'll demonstrate something to others, but then you'll also find there's sufficient grace tomorrow when you wake up on the next day and the day after and the day after that and the year after that and the decade or the decades after that. There is sufficient grace available. What do we mean by grace? The loving kindness, the favor of God, the love of God, which says, hey, it's okay. It's okay that there's comfort of God. There's so many different aspects to the grace of God. God's grace will not run out. The issue, the question is, will we go and seek it? Will we go and ask for it? Will we go and receive it? Let's go and find the grace of God. Now, within that, we also need to exercise faith, therefore, because what you're doing is you're saying, well, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to put my trust. I'm going to exercise my faith. I'm going to put my trust in God. I'm going to look to him and receive his power. I'm not going to try and fix this myself, but I'm going to look to him in the midst of the, the trouble, the hardship. Some of you would know a man called Greg Haslam. Uh, Greg has gone to glory now. He died a couple of years back. But uh, for many years, he was pastor of a church called Hope Church in Winchester. And uh, then he went on to be pastor of Westminster Chapel in London. And one of the phrases Greg had, and he had quite a number of health challenges. He nearly died on a couple of occasions. One of his favorite phrases I, I remember very much from him was this. Dignify the trial. 
when you're going through a suffering, when you're going through hardship, when you're going through a trial, dignify it. How do you dignify the trial? Well, you exercise faith. You exercise faith. As we put our faith into practice, we say, hey, I can draw on God's grace. I can know God's grace. I can delight in God's grace, God's provision of grace today in his unconditional love. I, and in so doing, I dignify the trial. It doesn't mean the trial's not happening. But we dignify the trial. And in so doing, we point people to God. And we encourage one another in the midst of hardship, in the midst of suffering, that we can come to God, we can draw from God, we can exercise our faith, we can put our trust in God, and we can know the power of God worked out in our lives. That's what the grace of God is. It's the power of God at work in our lives. And in that process, what happens is we grow in dependency on God. We are perfected in our faith, in our weaknesses. We grow closer and closer to God and we come to reflect him more and more to others. We will grow, as Paul said, in, as I referred to earlier in Romans 5, uh, it will result in our changing character. We'll, uh, uh, and, and eventually we'll persevere through to character and then to hope. Paul in this passage talked about being perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Do you want the power of God to work in your life? Do we want the power of God at work in our lives? God's power is perfected in weakness. Really? What, you mean I haven't got to impress God? No, we don't need to impress God. I should have uh, moved this on a slide. I want to ask this question. Are we learning to delight in our weakness, to grow in our weakness, to engage with, our, with the weakness we have? <laughs> Paul says he wants to boast about his weaknesses. Well, why? Because God's grace is perfected in that. God's power is revealed in that. I wonder how you see a weakness. Is it something to be hidden away, something to be uh, uh, embarrassed about, to feel shamed about? To think, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to admit that I've got that weakness. I don't want to admit that I'm suffering. I don't want to admit that I've got a challenge here, whether it's a, perhaps a physical health challenge. Do you know, I hate being sick. Emma will tell you, I hate being sick. I do everything possible to avoid being sick. And into doing normally, I end up being more sick because I haven't given way to the sickness which I already knew I had at the beginning. So just, you know, just me being honest. I, I just hate being sick. I feel so awful. I, I don't know. I just really struggle with it. But I tell you what, when I find the grace of God, it's okay to go, yeah, I'm, I'm not well. And uh, actually, you know, and then work it out. <laughs> what, are you, what are you ashamed of? What weakness do you struggle to admit? What hardship are you going through which you don't tell others about? Why? Why? What's going on? God's grace is here for each of us to receive. And our Father wants us to be able to talk about our weaknesses and celebrate them such that we encourage others. 
help others to meet with God, help others to engage with the same battles we're going through, to see the grace of God, to be encouraged in them. So let's delight in our weaknesses. Now, I'm not suggesting, therefore, you know, we have a top 10 weaknesses chart on the, on, the, or, you know, on the wall or anything like that. But let's not be afraid to recognize what's going on. Let's not be afraid to talk about our tra- the challenges we face. Not because we want to uh, uh, get inward-looking in an unhealthy way, but because we want to do what we want to celebrate the grace of God in the midst of trial and tribulation, in the midst of hardship, we can demonstrate, we can proclaim the grace of God by how we deal with these things. Are we going to do that? Are we going to be signposts to the world around us of the grace of God? That actually, even though it's all gone horribly wrong, it's okay, I can still trust God. I can still look to him. I can still enjoy the grace of God. Our Father wants us to recognize him and know him, to seek him and find him in every circumstance of life, whether in good or bad, whether in moments of great success or moments of hardship or suffering or persecution, because he's a good father, because he's a great father and because his grace is available to each and every one of us and it's not just a little bit of grace but it's a lot of grace his love manifesting through our lives friends in conclusion i want to encourage us let's have a healthy view of hardship and suffering let's have a biblical view of hardship and suffering let's learn to find god's grace let's learn to Uh, Even in the midst of great hardship, let's find it and celebrate it. Let's ask him for his grace, just like the Israelites did on a daily basis during the Exodus or during their time in the desert. Let's, and then finally, let's break shame and learn to recognize and even celebrate our weaknesses such that we actually can demonstrate and reveal the grace of God to each other and to the world around us. Many years ago, uh, 28 years ago, uh, before Emma and I were married, but we were, well, actually, before we were even dating, thinking about it, I had an accident at work. It's the most silly accident you can imagine. There was a four-drawer high filing cabinet, and on that filing cabinet was a, an a 5 size lever-arch file, and it had two whole pieces of paper in this lever-arch file. And I stretched out my arm to pick it up. And as I stretched out my arm to pick it up, there was a... And it was so loud, my secretary, this is in the days when I was the Charter Surveyor, who was probably over where Pete's guitar is over there, who was plugged into, her, into a dictaphone and typing, turns around and goes, what was that? And I'm standing there and I cannot turn my head. I cannot move my left arm and... Uh, after some investigation, we find out I've slipped three discs in my neck. For the next um, six years, five, six years, um, I had major neck problems. I ended up having one, two, three, four, five 
um, uh, surgeries on my neck to try and relieve the, the pain issues. And uh, it was a tough old time. During that time, Emma and I, we, we'd already met, but we, we started dating, and then uh, we got engaged, and then we got married, and uh, it was tough. There were things I couldn't do because of the damage to my left arm, my shoulder, my neck. And even these days, I have to be incredibly careful what I do. Why am I mentioning that? I'm not mentioning it to boast. I'm mentioning it to tell you this. I learned through that time so much about the grace of God and finding daily grace. We both did together. And if I look back on it, I'm so grateful for that time. I'm not, I'm not saying I wanted to be ill. I'm not saying, <laughs> you already know I hate being ill. <laughs> but I learned so much about God. I grew deeper in my relationship with God. Suffering, hardship, persecution, chronic sickness, whatever you want to call it, those circumstances, you, they can draw you closer to God. That's my testimony. Let's draw close to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, who is perfect in his love, in his grace, in his mercy. Let's find God's sufficient grace, even in hardship, even in persecution, even in suffering, that we can boast of God's grace and love to the world around us and in so doing point the world around us to him. Amen? And now we're going to come to... Say yes, let's do it. Okay. Um, we're going to come in a moment to uh, celebrating the grace of God through communion. Before we do so, I think Chris Paris has got a word he's going to share with us. So if you want to come and grab a mic off Nathan, please, Chris, and come and, come and share that, please. What's your reality? Um, this week, um, you might have found that you've been affected by the, the heat and um, need water and sh shade and you need to keep out of the heat and keep yourself hydrated. That is a reality. And last, last Sunday, we were in, in a little, little village in Cornwall and I went to this little church and... Uh, as I do in every church I go into, I also pray that God will speak to me and that I'll be affected by him. I wasn't expecting God to speak to me or to affect me. And, and the lady who was speaking was talking about truth and how Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And, um, and she was pointing out some of my faults and it really affected me. I was quite cross with her, actually, at the end. I went up to her saying, I said, where's, where's your grace? Where's your love? Um, and I, I said it in a nice way. Um, and, I, and it affected me. I, and I don't know if you've approached God like this. You go into church and you ask God to speak to you. And, and you read your word in the, in the, in the week as well, daily. And you just read it, and you've said, oh, Lord, speak, 
speak to me and you rush through it. Um, and God spoke to me. Um, and then on Thursday, I read this. Once you were too very foolish and disobedient, you were malice, misled by others and became slaves to many wicked desires and evil pressures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. We hated others, and they hated us. But then God, our Savior, showed us his kindness and love. He saved us, not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us a new life through the Holy Spirit. His generous, he generously poured out the Spirit upon us because of what Jesus Christ, our Savior, did. He declared us not guilty because of his great kindness. And now we know that we will inherit eternal life. These things I have told you are all true. I want you to insist them so that everyone who trusts in God will be careful to do good deeds all the time. These things are good and beneficial to everyone. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. So we're going to come and draw from God and receive his grace now. Um, uh, you hopefully got one of these little packages. Uh, if you came in and didn't pick one up, feel free in a moment to get up and wander and go and pick them up. There's on the table there and also down at that end of the auditorium. Um, I'm going to explain how they work before we do that. I can hear lots of peeling noises. So you've got two compartments if you're new to this and you're perhaps you're new to us and you haven't done it. There is a, a clear wrapper on the top which you'd pull first and that's where the wafer is, the biscuit is, and then there is a a foil wrapper for the bottom section where the wine is. Be really careful with the wine bit because it's very easy to jerk it and end up spilling it all down your front. And you know, we, we, it's fairly obvious if you do that later on because you've got a nice red stain on your white top or whatever. Um, so I'm just warning you about that. Before we do so, though, I want to encourage us. You know, the Bible encourages us to pause before we take communion and to consider where we're at with God. And there may be things you need to resolve in your life. There may even be things you can't resolve in your life now, which means you may need to hold off taking communion until later. If you've fallen out with someone and you need, know you need to actually, God's putting his finger on it and saying, hey, that needs restoring. It may be there are issues of sin in your life which you need to repent of before God. So we're going to pause before we take this and use this time just to respond to however God's speaking to you. It may be that God was speaking to you through his word this morning or through our worship. Maybe he's calling you to take a step of faith in some way or other. So I want to encourage us, let's just pause before God for a moment or two. Let's respond to him. And then we will take our bread and wine together. Father, we say thank you for Jesus. 
thank you that Jesus came to die in our place for our sin. To be our substitute. To take your wrath, your judgment. Knowing that we could never ever endure that. To make a way to you. And that's what we're here to do, to celebrate your grace. To celebrate your love. So we say thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the symbols we have before us to remind us of his death. But which also reminds us that he was victorious over sin. Because he was resurrected and then ascended to heaven to sit at your right hand. Victorious over sin and death. And so these symbols we have before us remind us that death is dealt with. Sin is dealt with. That we have a relationship with you, almighty God. Thank you for them. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you. Your grace is sufficient for every situation. For every need. For everything we've ever done wrong. We celebrate that today. By taking this together. Amen. Amen. And so I encourage you to take your wafer. body of Jesus broken for you that's what it's reminding us of symbolic of and then very carefully open the bottom half reminding us that Jesus' blood was poured out for us for the sin of the world take and drink enjoy grace of God manifested for us so thank you father thank you for Jesus we're uh, coming to the end of our time together I don't want to rush though so I'm going to hand over to Nathan to get and bring our meeting to a conclusion but if you want to just sit and receive from God Please do so. If you want prayer from somebody else, please ask folks to pray with you and stand with you that you and each of us would know more of God's grace. Thank you, Nathan. That's great. Thank you so much, Andrew. I just want to echo what Andrew shared. If you're here this morning and you're just feeling like, I just need to know God's grace afresh. I need to know that God's grace is sufficient for me in this situation or in this moment. Please do come and ask someone to pray with you, whether it's someone around you or uh, one of us uh, at the front down here. We'd love to stand with you and pray for you that in your weakness, you might know God's strength and his grace uh, being sufficient for you. And also just what Chris shared as well. If, if you're feeling just the weakness of, of maybe that, that God's just pointing things out, in a loving, gracious way, and you know that actually you need to deal with that this morning, then please do as well. Find someone around you um, to pray that through with. Um, that would be really uh, good and beneficial for all of us. Just uh, in conclusion, just to let you know that this...
coming Thursday, we have an hour of prayer that we would love to gather as many of us as possible uh, to come and seek God together, both for, for the church and for the town, and we pray for people around us. Uh, I'm sure we'll be praying for uh, that family that we prayed for earlier as well again. So please do try and gather this Thursday at 8 o'clock. And next Sunday, we have a really significant meeting for us uh, as a church where we'll be uh, bringing Rob Ahern into eldership and we'll have John Groves with us preaching. Uh, always a pleasure when John is with us uh, and I know it would it challenges us and does us good. So that's next Sunday, uh, John Groves preaching, Rob being brought into eldership and then we have a picnic lunch afterwards. Come on. Um, so bring your own uh, picnic and feel free to share that with others around and we'll just enjoy spending time together and join the community uh, of this church. Other than that, if you're a guest with us, we're so glad you're with us. We hope you've had a great morning and uh, we'd love to connect with you. We have welcome team in yellow t-shirts like Graham over there. Give us a wave, Graham, uh, who you can go chat to and ask lots of questions or you can talk to the person next to you. And uh, we would love to chat more to you about who we are as a church. We have welcome books that we'd love to give you, which explains more about us. And you can fill in a connect form if you'd like more information or you'd like to just tell us that you've been here. We'd love to know that you've uh, been amongst us. Other than that, we're going to finish. Parents, please go and collect your children in due course as quickly as possible. And um, it's been great to be together and we'll see you soon.